Byron, Mississippi. It's Lakeshore Church. It's um, Matthew chapter 19, verses 23 and 24. Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I tell you, it will be hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Let's pray together. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity. Uh, you know I don't take this lightly. I thank you, Lord, for uh, the attention that people will give, both here in person and, and through media today. But most of all, God, we want you. Uh, we want, Lord, for you to use us, for my words and thoughts to be yours. And most of all, all of us, start with me, would walk in obedience. May we put assets that you blessed us with in their right perspective in our life and then be, then be the person and people that bring glory and honor to you with those assets. And God will be careful to give you the praise, for we ask it and pray it in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. amen. You may be seated. Thank you. So far, we've looked at uh, several uh, strange and strong things. But I'll just say as we begin today, today is huge. Huge. This is a huge subject matter that I think applies to America. And if it applies to America, I think it applies to the church in America, and it, so it applies to you and me. Uh, very neat. Uh, something, I guess, I've been around church all my life, but uh, I've heard this all my life, and I want to unpackage it for today. Today, yes, you could say, well, it's about wealth and money and possessions and assets, but I want to go one step further to, with you and tell you that this passage, I believe, is dealing with self-sufficiency. I believe a place that we get to where we have assets enough where we don't need God because we're doing just fine on our own. When I think about that, I, I'm reminded that this took place with the rich young ruler. If you remember, he had morals and he had possessions. Jesus told him to go sell all his possessions and come and follow him. And it says he went away grieved because he had great possessions. Superiority that we get to of self-sufficiency that it even replaces God in our life. Having resources, our bills paid, a good place to live, a good life, food, shelter, health. Many times what happens, it often leads to distance from us to God. Today's strange but strong takes place after, as we said, the rich young ruler. Uh, Jesus turns to him and he says, and he makes this statement, that he said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle, we'll talk more about that in a minute, than it is for a rich person to get to heaven. I wrote it down this way, no needs <laughs> means no nearness much of the time. Often we're well off, and in that well-offness, we're well off from the Lord. It's amazing how many times I look back on my life, and I've heard many people say it in church, and it's amazing when everything's going well, how is it that our devotional life goes down? <laughs> everything's going well, our, our prayer life is just hit and miss. Maybe even church is hit and miss, but you let our world go upside down. You let normal become abnormal. And bless God, we want to get a hold of God, don't we? I've said we the whole time. Please don't be offended because I'm guilty. Did you know that if you make $34,000 a year, $34,000, you are considered in the top 1% of global wealth. Global wealth. When I think about the wealth of America, I found this picture, and, and I think it gives credit to it so I can show it or whatever. I found it or something. I was reading this down there. This shows that the blue people are just short of 50% of the global wealth is in the United States of America. 
That's what the blue people are there. And then the rest of them you can see, and this is recorded so you can go back and look at it, is other countries and several more, is where the wealth is found. The reason I share that with you is oftentimes God is an afterthought. <laughs> and it's a play on words, but you know why he's an afterthought is because we often think about him after something happens. We don't prepare before. We're not living in like we need to live. We're living like we want to live. And all of a sudden our world goes upside down and then we want to get a hold of God. He's like a precious coin or some kind of elixir we keep in our pocket. And when things go awry, bless God, we're going to call the pastor and the pastor's going to call you and we all need to pray. And oftentimes we're riddled, we're riddled with guilt because we know we haven't been where we need to be before something happens. I think along those lines many times in my own prayer life, we're told in the word of God that we're to minister to the hungry and the thirsty and the stranger and the, the naked, the person who's sick. The person in prison, we're supposed to visit them. That's found in Matthew 25 when Jesus is talking about the sheep and the goats. It's what we're going to be rewarded for, how well we serve humanity and other people. People wonder what the biggest crown in heaven is going to look like. It's going to be the person that paid it forward the most. That's what it's going to be. It's not going to be an affluent person. It's not going to be a pastor. It's going to be a pastor who served. It's going to be a pastor that saw a need and ministered to folks. It's that kind of thing. Really, truly. It's when people are at their... The toughest spot, I've often said it this way, and I wrote it down for you today. I heard this all my life. It's not original to me, but the only way to look is up when you're flat on your back. Oftentimes when people are going through things, they're hungry and they're thirsty and they're naked and, and, and they're a stranger and they need help and they're sick and they're in prison. Oftentimes we're flat on our back. And I know that's figurative, but sometimes it's literal. When you're flat on your back, the only way to look is up. Hmm. We come along and minister to them. We've just completed the, the book of Leviticus in our men's reading on Monday and Friday morning. We made it, but it was so rich. God showed us so many things chapter by chapter as we meet on Monday and Friday morning at 6 a.m. Men, come with us if you can. Be with us. Uh, but you know what? There's a, there was a chapter in Leviticus where it told the farmers, it said, when you, when, you, when you harvest your crops, leave the end of the field for those that don't have. The big word is called, the biblical word is called gleaning. So leave them out there. If you go read the book of Ruth, you'll find out about Ruth and Boaz. And, and that's how they met is because she was gleaning from the field. She didn't have anything. And so they had left the edge of the field where she could find nourishment and find food because she didn't have it. Well, that heart of God has been passed down to you and me. We're supposed to be the same way. Listen, many times people have needs. Jonathan Edwards, the great preacher of the 1700s, he said it best. He said, how can you expect to dwell with God forever? If you so neglect and forsake him here, <laughs> that's a, that's not an amen. That's an ouch, isn't it? I think people are going to be surprised in heaven how much we worship the Lord. I don't know if anybody today, when we were worshiping, looked at their watch and said, oh, we're going to be here forever. That preacher going to preach forever. Well, let me tell you something. We're going to worship God forever. We're going to have things to do just like they had in the garden, but we're going to worship God. And there's no doubt there's going to be any more sin. We don't even know how that's going to be, but he summed it up. We need God. Many times people think their possessions and their purse and positions are enough. But I want to say for you today, they get in the way many times. And I just want to talk about assets today. And it's not just, oh, here we go, TV preachers preaching about money. That's part of it. Hmm. I do believe if he gets the heart, he gets the wallet too. But listen to me. I want you to understand assets today. First, I want to talk about our number one need. Listen to me carefully. In America right now, we think our number one need is more money. 
We think in America today, if I can just upgrade things, if I can just have this and have that, and the latest commercial comes out, and I got to go get this because it's the latest, I got to have it. Our, our number one need is not wealth or health, folks. One day our health is going to fail us. Did you know that? It's not health or wealth. It's not success or sufficiency. If I can just get to a certain level, if I can just make enough money, if I can just be sufficient, if I can just get there, I'll be okay. No, it's not prominence or position. (laughs) It's not being somebody. It's not having some position that therefore all your stuff is in place. No, our number one need today since the Garden of Eden is for the remedy of sin. He that has the Son has life. And he that does not have the Son does not have life. All people say, well, that's just the preacher. No, it permeates every part of our society. How well we do in our life is whether you know him or not and have him in balance in your life. Our only remedy is a relationship with Almighty God found through Jesus Christ. This day and age, listen to me very carefully, we've removed God from everything. And it looks like we're intentional in doing it. And let me tell you something, and the church is not absent in this either. We bought into a bunch of it as well. I've had conversations with you folks. I love you. But I think we need to get in God's word. We need to stand on God's word. I really do. And today we've, we've removed God out of education. We're not going to pray in school. We're not going to read the Bible anymore. We're not going to do this kind of thing. How dare us? That's an infringement on somebody's rights. So we removed God from education. Well, I'll ask you a question. How well are we doing? Hmm. Proverbs 1.7. You hear it come out of my mouth a lot. I want to show it to you. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and discipline. Am I for education? Yes, Suzanne and I will be paying for our children's education for a while. All right? They chose to go to a college that I, I, I love, I think the world of, but it's expensive. And so we'll be paying, probably leave some of it when we die. But I don't know. Hopefully Biden will help us out. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> Listen to me carefully. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. You go get you multiple PhDs. You be the brightest person on the street. But if you've left God behind or you're out, un, out from underneath the umbrella of God and his infinite knowledge, you're in trouble. And let me tell you something, folks. Our world is in trouble because the elitist are leaving God behind. If you serve in that position, I want to encourage you to stand for God and right. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. But education, we've left God behind. We've removed him. How about our planet? Man thinks they're in control. Man, I love this. I could stay here for 30 minutes. I almost did in the first service. Our planet, we think we're in control. Every time somebody thinks we're in control of this planet, you need to get on a plane and get up about 30-something thousand feet, no clouds, and look down and see how massive this planet is. We're not in control, folks. We're part of the creation. The creator is in control. But you know what? We got to be in control if you remove God out of it. So now we got global warming and climate change. Now there's fires in Louisiana and it's because things are warming up. We got fires in Maui. Things are happening. Oh no, Daniel's already read it. God's still in control, folks. Somewhere we got to examine what are we bringing on ourselves and not. God's in control. The next time they don't talk about glaciers that are melting in the North Pole, go look at the South Pole. There's more ice than ever. But they don't want to talk about the South Pole because that doesn't fit the narrative. Mm, on Facebook, I'm in trouble. The planet, not in control. Let me show this. Let me show this. First, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 45. 
so that you may be children of your Father in heaven, for he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Been hot, hadn't it? It's been dry, hadn't it? They're saying we might get rain this afternoon, but let me tell you something. God knew the rain that's coming today. He knew it yesterday. Hello? Because God is in control. He is creator God. And one day every knee's going to bow and every tongue's going to confess. Amen? Let me give you one more. It's even wealth. We think, well, if I can just make enough, I can get a pay raise. I'll tell you what I know about stewardship. Do they know that you get more money, you're going to go trade that car in and buy new furniture and you're going to use up that pay raise? I said, research says if you get out from underneath that struggle, that you'll go make another struggle. Do you know that? The reason I know is we've done it. We even, well, it wasn't it Paul that said, I love it. I could get, I get happy. I get charismatic over this verse. Philippians 4, 19, he said, my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Huh. Oh, listen, we need to understand some things today. Many people say today that we don't need God. We're self-sufficient without him. There's secular policies abounding everywhere we go. The nation that we know and what it was founded on, I can show it to you folks. I can show you documented things of what our nation was founded on. Today, it's absurd. Some of the people that have the microphone and have the TV and have people's attention to what they say America was and is. Secular policies are about to run America in the ground. But I want to show you what the word says. <laughs> Romans 1.22 says it this way, claiming themselves to be wise, they become fools. I don't know about you, but I see a lot of fools on the nightly news, don't you? I see a lot of fools out there. Hmm. The fool has said in his heart that there is no God. Let me give you one more. Mark chapter 8, verse 36 says, what does it benefit someone to gain the whole world and yet lose his life? We run after things, and what does it matter? I tried to get away from saying this, but uh, this next week I will have the honor of saying some last words over a great friend of mine. This past May, Zane and I had made a trip to Oklahoma and did a revival for a great friend of mine, Mike Wario. I got a call early this week that Mike was sitting at his house. He'd been having some trouble, and he had undoubtedly had a massive heart attack and died with his wife there in the room with him. The uniqueness about it is Mike is almost to the day six months younger than your pastor. So it's a great reminder as we sit. We think we're in control, folks. We, we got a clue if we think we're in control. Let me tell you who's, who's in control. God Almighty's in control. He's not fretting today. He's not, he's not having a Maalox moment. He's not chewing his fingernails. He's not stressed out. No, he's God Almighty. He is. The way I said it is this, man because of sin has a need and is, it is needful. Secondly, to understand assets, we need to understand the difference between needs and wants. I've said this for years, I wouldn't know a need if it walked by. I'm well fed, amen? I got clothes, my air condition works, thank the Lord. I'm blessed. Almost 34 years, Suzanne and I went out on a date day yesterday. The reason we went on a date day, we're too old to go on a date night. <laughs> we did. Marigos got our money and ran with it. I'm blessed. Got three kids here this morning. They got some other ones with them. I'm blessed. Mm. I, wouldn't know a, I wouldn't know a need if it walked by. We live in wants, folks. You let a commercial come out and all of a sudden we got to go get it. And the one we got is just fine. Got to go get a new pair of shoes. And just cause the one we got, they come out, somebody's going to come out with some old ones. Listen, as long as I got some, I don't need some more. I live in wants. Still do it. Don't get into fishing and hunting now. That's meddling. 
not to hurt or upset anybody here, but I would dare say there's not a person here that has a want. I mean, a need. We live in wants. I said I wasn't going to say this, and it's come up both times, but I can remember when Zane was at the apex, it looked terrible, and God spared his life. I remember thinking this thought that I've had for many years, I got to sell a lot of stuff before I could with integrity stand in front of you folks and say I have a need. I got a lot of folk, I got a lot of stuff that's got to leave. I got to put for sale signs on it, put it on marketplace before I could actually say I have a need. I live in wants and you do too. I look around this room. We need to be, we need to be honest about this stuff, folks. We need to understand the difference between a want and a need. Hmm. Needs should draw us to the Lord. <laughs> they do. Wants oftentimes, sad to say, is wants often push us away from the Lord because we don't need God. We don't need Him. How about that saying? We don't need Him because I got enough. But what happens is when our world goes upside down and when the calamity comes, when tragedy comes, then we want Him. Mm, don't shout me down when I'm preaching truth. I've said it for years. When something comes along in my life and in yours that's bigger than me, I got to have somebody that's bigger than it is. See, God gave us common sense. Amen? I mean, I hope it thunders and lightens today and I got to go inside. You hear me? Common sense. But when the, when the big things of life come along, I got to have somebody that can handle it. Sin fits that. Let me give you two more. I wish I had 16 points. Thirdly, I want to deal with the context of what he's talking about. He said the, he talked about a needle in the camel. What in the world is that talking about? Pretty neat study. I found out there are basically two views of this. One is literal, that Jesus was talking about taking a big massive animal like a camel and sticking it through a thread, a needle, <laughs> the dye of the needle. But I also found out, I want to show it to you. I, I wrote this down for them to show you. These two words, I'm not even trying to pronounce them, actually... That top one stands for camel, and the one that really looks like it stands for rope. And there are many theologians that believe that Jesus was literally talking about a rope. How, you can't take a big rope and stick it through the eye of the needle. In the same way, you can't get to heaven as a rich man. Very difficult to do that. Hmm. So either one works, okay? Either, either analogy works. Either explanation works. That it's very difficult for somebody with riches, listen to me very carefully, for somebody that has the assets that you and I have, very difficult to get to heaven, and I believe it's on this premise, it is not the wealthy, it is not the, the riches, it is not how much you should have, it's your self-sufficiency that you put in front of God. The Old Testament writer said, my righteousness is filthy rags. When I think I got it made and God understands, no, 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 God understands the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses me from all sin. The needle in the camel. I'm going to show it to you in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. It says, instruct those who are rich in the present age not to be arrogant or to set their hope on the uncertainty of wealth, but on God who richly provides us with all things to enjoy. And then one more that fits so well when I think about understanding assets. Why do we have what we have? Listen, if you've been around me at all, you know I stand on this and I'm going to keep on standing because I know it's truth. But in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28, we find our neighbor. <laughs> it says, let the, let the thief... No longer steal. Instead, he is to do honest work with his own hands. Notice this, so that he has something to share with anyone in need. We already talked about gleaning of the field. God reminds us that no matter how much you've been blessed, no matter how much you have, the reason that you have something is to be aware of someone else who has a need. 
Don't combine the end of the row because there's somebody in your community that needs you to love on them. Mm, you know what we do? We hoard. I've always thought in all the reality shows that come out, we got a, we got a reality show on hoarding, but they never come out with a reality show about giving. Hmm. It would be a great reality show to, to hear the philanthropy that people have done where they've amassed sums of wealth and get wealth and given much of it away, tried to give it away <laughs> as God would open the door. But I want to remind you in this understanding assets, our neighbor must be part of the equation. Around here, we wear a bracelet called pay it forward. It, it's God, God, make me mindful that what I have is to be able to give to someone else in need. Many times we get that backwards. We complain because of the next thing or whatever instead of realizing that other people balance our lives. <laughs> I will never tire as long as God gives me breath in this capacity, even conversation with people, to challenge people. I will never tire, tire of telling people, listen, be benevolent, be giving, hmm? be, be a servant, pay it forward, put value on other people. I want to end today and this way, I, I really, now I preach this twice, a lot of this seems so negative. <laughs> I really want to end in the positive. It had to be negative. It was very strange and strong for Jesus, whether it was the rope, you know, versus the thread, or whether he looked over in the side of the, of the, th of the uh, wall and he saw this little passageway where people could go through, but animals couldn't. Regardless of which one it was, it had to be strange for them to hear Jesus say this and then pin it on rich folk which I think so applies to America today. I'm so glad in my lifetime I've been able to go some other places in the world and realize how blessed I am for God's resources and his blessings on our life. So I want to end with a positive, and here's the positive. It's found just a couple of verses down in this passage. We didn't read it to you on purpose, but in Matthew chapter 19, verse 26, it says, Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. <laughs> I don't know who the wealthiest person in the room is today, but I want to tell you this, that God, hear God say, it's not impossible for you to make it to heaven. With God, all things are possible. Amen? But I think we got to do it the right way. And I, I want to put that in context for us today before we go. It's possible. It's possible to have something and please God with the way you live. It's possible. Someone said, well, Brother Jay, if it's not possible, then why, I, why am I trying to amass something? Why am I trying to work so hard if I'm, if I'm going to miss heaven? It's possible. Jesus said it. With man, it's impossible. There'll always be something. If you don't allow God to sit on the throne of your heart, there'll always be something that, that blows you away. There'll always be something that keeps it out of context in your life. But with God, it's possible. And I started thinking about it. I said, I began to read, and I, these two came to mind that, there are other places found in the Word of God that impossibility to possibility was taken up. The first one I want to highlight was Mother Mary, the mother of Jesus. She was just a teenager, and the angel appeared to her and said, uh, you're going to give birth to the Messiah. You're going to call his name Emmanuel because God is going to be with us. <laughs> can you imagine? Mary said, um, hold on a second. How can this be? I haven't known a man. I hadn't taken my clothes off. Y'all follow me? It's not possible. And the angel said to her, with man it's impossible, but nothing with God will be impossible. 
I don't know where you are in your journey, and I just feel the need to say this in in putting this together. I don't know what's going on in your life, but listen to me very carefully. If God could bring the Savior through a young girl that had never been intimate with a man, he can surely take care of your issue. I said he can surely take care of your issue. (laughs) Then there's another story where this was said. There's a man who had a son who had a lot of difficulty. Uh, There's been diagnosis that I've read that people put upon him. I'm not going to spend time with that. Epilepsy and other things, but he would often throw himself in the fire and do crazy stuff. And it says that the daddy brought him to the disciples and had them pray over him. And when they prayed, he wasn't healed. (laughs) Jesus turns to him and calls him a perverse generation. Pretty hard. You know, and and chides them pretty hard. And so Jesus heals, and later on, they're, they're with Jesus. The story goes in Matthew 17. Go read it this week. It's a great read, 14 through 21. And he says that, that they asked Jesus alone, said, why couldn't we heal him? They were serious. They weren't trying to get away with something. They said, why couldn't we heal him? Why couldn't we do? I thought we had that authority too. Why can't we do what you did? And he said, because of your little faith. And then he says this thing again. Nothing will be impossible with God. And I'm just telling you guys, through, through study, this is, this is sort of different ending this way. But I feel like I need to tell you. Listen, everybody listen? Everybody looking? Everybody awake? Nothing is impossible with our God. Mm. He brought Jesus through a virgin. He said the words and a young man was healed. Nothing is impossible with God. And now for our sermon. When we go through things in our life and we have things, we amass things, we have assets and we have resources and we have the blessing of God on our life. We got a portfolio. We got a car truck that cranks. We got an air condition that works when it's 105 in the shade. We're blessed. But how dare us, Jay included, take that away from God. Hard for a rich man to make it to heaven. You know why? Because we leave God in our tracks. Look at me. It's the pastor that said that. Oh, I've had a great year. Had great crops. Look at them. I got so many crops I got to go build new barns. Look at what I'm doing. And it says his soul was required of him. You know why? Because self-sufficiency left God behind. Is it possible for somebody with assets to make it to heaven? Oh, yeah. But we have to put God in his proper place. Here's what I want to say. Give God a try. I'll never forget when COVID happened. We had just put out a 40-day challenge to the church about tithing, about giving. What's the difference between the Old Testament and tithing is today is that you and I, from our God leading our heart, we give out of the, our abundance to God's work to support the things of God. Remember that you have what you have today because God gave it to you. He didn't have to. And you can take your next breath and leave it to everyone else. Today, it's not what we possess that matters. How much stock we put in our house, how much stock we put in our vehicles, and 
how much stock we put in our, what we wear, what we're going to do, what we're going to have. It's not what we possess that matters. <laughs> it's what possesses us. I want to show you what I got. I want to show you this. I want to show you that. It's not what I possess that matters. One day I'm going to take, Mike Warrior reminds me of that. One day I'm going to leave it all behind. But it's who possesses me that matters.